Welcome to Dodgers Daily. I'm Casey Porter. I'm so glad that you decided to tune in. Fans, we have a great show for you today. The Dodgers just finished their toughest road trip of the year. A 10-game swing that started in St. Louis and ended in Tampa Bay. The Dodgers went 4-6. and six. Hey, leave a comment. What do you think about the 4-6 and six road trip? Are you happy with that? Of course, nobody's totally happy with 4-6, and six, but hey, the Dodgers did stay in first place. So tell me what you think about the road trip. And yesterday, of course, we always talk about you want the one big, what, big win at the top. And if the L.A. Dodgers don't win, it's never a totally successful day, obviously. But hey, the rest of the four affiliates, they won their games, and there was some great action in the minor league system for the Dodgers, so we're going to cover all that. So we have a jam-packed show. We did not cover, we did not have a show on Sunday, so we have Saturday's game to talk about as well. So a super busy show, a lot to get to. But hey, before we dive into all that, just a reminder, if you'd like to help Dodgers Daily by donating, we do now have a Dodgers Daily GoFundMe account. Just scroll down to the description. Click that link, and once you do that, it'll take you right to the GoFundMe for Dodgers Daily. Also, if you like this video and if you like this kind of content, go ahead and click that like button, leave a comment, tell all your friends about Dodgers Daily, share this video, become a subscriber, then after you subscribe, go ahead and click that notification bell, turn on your notifications, that way every time Dodgers Daily releases a new video, you'll never miss a thing, and Dodgers Daily can keep growing, and we can keep doing what we love to do, which is providing videos like this in the future. The more that you guys you know, interact back and forth with these videos, the more YouTube thinks that these videos are liked and something that people want to watch, and the more they get seen, the bigger we grow, which is something we certainly want to continue to do. Okay, the Dodgers, again, four and six on the road trip. What did you think about that? Gavin Stone, rough start, two rough starts in a row. What do you think about him? We always have the best fans and the best comments in the world here at Dodgers Daily, so super excited to talk about what you think the Dodgers should do with Gavin Stone. Going to get into some numbers on Clayton Kershaw and Julio Urias to just kind of give some pointer references as far as how hard the game of baseball is. The Dodgers, I guarantee you, they, they still think and are very, very, very confident that Gavin Stone will have a tremendous Major League Baseball career. But as of right now, hey, this is all about winning at the Major League level. What do you do with Gavin Stone? Leave me a comment. Tell me what you think. What do you do about James Altman? Hey, this is his first major league slump. He is he's mired in a pretty bad one right now, has not snapped out of it yet. Of course, if you follow Dodgers Daily, you know I'm very confident that he will. But hey, when will it be? How long do you go before, you know, you maybe you send him back down and see what he can do at the AAA level to, to get his confidence back? We see that all the time with guys. No big deal. Hey, man, you can always bring him right back up. That's not, you know, that's no big deal whatsoever. So, hey, what do you think about James Altman? And, and what do you think the Dodgers should do with him? Trace Thompson, he bounced out of his slump in a big-time white boy. It seems like whenever he has big games, he has huge games. That's the second huge game of the year, so a lot to get to. So, hey, let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it, and let's talk Dodgers baseball. So the Dodgers are 32-22. and 22. They went to 15-15 and 15 on the season on the road. They still have the one-and-a-half game lead over Arizona, a four-and-a-half game lead against San Francisco, who the Dodgers face here in a couple of weeks, who's playing a lot better, and they have the seven-and-a-half game lead over San Diego. So like I said, hey, the, yesterday in one of my social media tweets, 
I think yesterday's loss, although frustrating, although you're disappointed in the way that Gavin Stone pitched, I think at the end of that, the road trip was over. Yesterday was what I call a big picture day. I think you have to look at the big picture of the road trip of where you're at right now. You have to look at all the you know, the circumstances that surround it with all the injuries, you had to use rookies and three starts that you did not have planned to do so in. Noah Sindergaard did not pitch well. Julio Urias has not been pitching up to his caliber as of late, and he is, you know, not available at the moment. Clayton Kershaw, he had the bereavement and, and that situation with his mother and, you know, pitched better in his last performance, but he's had a couple of performances that, you, you know, unexpectedly, didn't throw up to his standards, which are very, very, very high. So, you know, Dustin May, that situation. So you had a lot of, you know, extra situations on the outside of it that, you know, to me, I think you have to sit back after the toughest road trip of the year. And although you're disappointed in the way that Gavin Stone pitched, and it's not just yesterday, but his first two starts, you're disappointed that you didn't win the series at Tampa Bay. I think yesterday's a big picture. When you get on the plane yesterday, you have to look at the whole picture and say, hey, you know what? We still have a one-and-a-half game lead. You know, we're, we're still – we went four and six, which obviously for the Dodgers standard is not great, and it's not good for the Dodgers standard. But, hey, it wasn't catastrophic. You didn't lose your first-place lead. You still maintain that by a game and a half. You know, you're still right at 500 on the road. You're 17 at seven. At home, something of which you're coming back to do to play the Phillies, or excuse me, not the Phillies, but the Nats and then the Yankees, the big series this weekend. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. I can remember so many exciting Yankees and and Dodgers World Series when I was a kid, so that's going to be a whole lot of fun. So, hey, you're coming back home, a place that you have been very, very, very good at this year, okay? As a matter of fact, you're 17-7 and at home against a team that you should have success with to get back you know, feeling good about yourself with the Washington Nationals. So, like I said, I think although there were some things to be disappointed about, I think yesterday, you know, sometimes, you know, you micromanage and then you and then sometimes you macromanage. I think yesterday was a day to where you don't micro anything. You just, you know, you, you look at the big picture and say, hey, actually for, for the card we've been, we've been dealt to this point in the season, we're just about as good and as good of a spot as you could possibly Hope for as far as having being in first place. And then, okay, check this out. In June, I think the Dodgers have a chance to make a lot of hay this month. You have the, you have the, the Nats that, that are in town, you know, for the three game series. Then you have, of course, that's in May, but let's, so let's take from, from this series, the end of May through June. You have the Nats at home. Then you have the Yankees. You have the Reds, the Phillies, the White Sox, the Giants at home, the Angels. And then you have Houston at home. Then you have the Rockies. And then you finish the month at Kansas City. So this is a month, like I said, hey, man, you get on that plane and you think, okay, we have a one-and-a-half game lead. We, we've been playing really good at road uh, at home. We've been surviving on the road. And we have a month, the end of May and the month of June, beginning of July, where, hey, man, maybe we can stretch some things out and give ourselves a pretty good buffer. And especially if we're, you know, if we have a one and a half game lead with all these injuries and all these people not performing the way that we would expect them to, and and all of these things that, that really kind of have created some adversity as far as the situations we've had to handle, what's going to happen if we have, say, a four or five game lead going into July, and then all the pieces get put back together and everything actually does start clicking? 
I think that's the way, as a Dodgers fan, you need to look at it as far as the positive outlook, the positive position that you're in. Having said that, in the major leagues is a results-based business. Okay, so uh, Gavin Stone, you know, he, he threw yesterday and, and he gave up the seven runs. It was not pretty. There was nothing about it that was pretty. So what do you do with him? Okay, here's the deal with, with where I'm at with him, and I threw this out here on on uh, social media. His spin rate on his four-seam fastball. Of course, in the offseason, they did away with his two-seam, which in my opinion is his second-best pitch, and they moved him strictly and solely to a four-seam pitcher. Okay, his spin rate yesterday on his four-seam as far as the, the low, you know, there's a minimum, a maximum, and an average. So this is his minimum. The minimum spin rate on his four seam dropped as, as low as close to 2,000 RPMs, which, you know, spin rate is just backspin, which tells you, hey, right around 2,300 is, is kind of that magic line to where if you're below 2,300, you know, you're probably a two seam guy where you need to use the bottom of the zone and move the ball and stay away from barrels. Whereas if you're 2,300, or above, you're that guy that needs to create as much backspin and give that right effect and throw four seams. So I think right now, Gavin Stone, no doubt about it, he is squarely in the two seam category and he's trying to throw a four seam and it's getting hit. And then it's also what's happening to him is it's making him feel like because, you know, he doesn't have that spin rate. And then also, you know, that spin rate creates extra velo to get past major league barrels. He feels like he's having to be perfect with his locations. And anytime you try to be perfect as a pitcher, many times that's when you make your worst pitches. And then because of that, the off-speed's not able to play off of the fastball. And when the off-speed's not able to play off the fastball, then you start making mistakes with it as well. That's when you get really tattooed. I think that's the snowball that Gavin Stone is in right now. I think it all starts with the fact that he is not throwing a two seam you know as far as the 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 advanced analytics that the Dodgers love the advanced analytics would suggest to you move him back to being a two seam guy I talked about that with Noah Syndergaard Dustin May you know Dustin May has that two seam he's throwing it a lot again that sinker again this year I think you know that's the first adjustment Gavin Stone has to make I'm good with whichever way the Dodgers choose to go with him if they choose to send him back down to triple a to you know, make some adjustments and you know, gain the confidence back. You can say all you want about these guys; they are super confident. But hey, when you get rocked like that two games in a row, I don't care how confident you are; it shakes you up quite a bit. So I don't have any problem which way the Dodgers go with Gavin Stone. If they send him back down to Oklahoma City to incorporate some things, to work on some things, to develop some confidence before they send him back up. Or if they just say, hey, man, you're, you're we, we believe in you, Gavin. We think, hey, we threw you in two really difficult situations against two of the better teams in all of Major League Baseball, both on the road, no biggie. Hey, let's get you at home. Let's get you a better matchup. And let's see what you do from that perspective at the Major League level. I have no problem with that either. So whichever way the club decides to go with Gavin Stone, I'm good with. I think we have to put our faith in the front office at this point to evaluate. You know, Dave Roberts mentioned yesterday they're going to get all their best brains in, in in the organization, which are some of the best brains in baseball. They're all going to get together and they're going to put a plan together for Gavin Stone, and they will put a plan together that, trust me, it will be the best path for him and it will be a good situation. So I am at a, a point to where 
Whatever the org wants to do with him, I will totally support 100%. Hey, one thing about yesterday's game, I wanted to bring this up. Luke Rayleigh, if you remember, the Dodgers traded him away for Tanner Dotson. And Tanner Dotson, he has, he's that guy. I've talked about him several different times on this show. He has the fastball that can reach 100. He's had the control issues in the past, but he's still in double A, okay? So the Dodgers traded Luke Rayleigh, a major league player, for a guy who still has not advanced past double A, although Tanner Dodson has a world of potential. Don't get me wrong. I don't mean that to be any ways in any ways negative towards Dodson or or to downplay, you know, his potential. Because I, I certainly didn't mean to do that. Okay, but you know, hey, Luke Rayleigh, you gotta be very, very happy for him. Okay, I had a chance to talk to him and interview him. First of all, very cool for me because what Luke Rayleigh wanted to do for a living, if he wasn't a baseball player, he wanted to be a special ed teacher because he just wanted to help people. He wanted to help kids that had special needs. And that is really cool for me because I was a special ed teacher for 18 years. And so I know what that service is all about. I know the impact you can make on kids that need somebody to make an impact in their lives. So that was the first thing from a humanitarian perspective that really drew me to Luke Rayleigh and to, you know, become a huge fan of him. Of course, he was playing in AAA Oklahoma City. And that year, a couple of years ago, when he was in AAA Oklahoma City, if you remember, he was going back and forth. He had the big three-run home run in, I believe it was August or September for L.A. So he's kind of going back and forth. Okay, but but that, first of all, drew me to him. So, hey, reached out to get an interview with him. He agreed to it. It's on my Dodgers Daily YouTube. Just search Luke Rayleigh on the Dodgers Daily YouTube channel, and you can watch that interview. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to him because, hey, coming out of high school, okay, in the Cleveland area, he was told by multiple and almost every coach, hey, you're not good enough to even play Division One baseball. He didn't go Division Two, okay, let alone Division One. Luke Rayleigh went Division Three at Lake Erie College, okay? And he took all of those conversations he had with those Division I coaches that told him he wasn't good enough, and he took that and made that fuel to his fire. And his goal has been to prove all of those people wrong, and boy, has he ever done it. Of course, didn't enjoy as much watching him do it against the Dodgers, but I, I just tell you what, man. You know, when you're in my position, you get to cover prospects, you start rooting for the individuals as well as the Dodgers. I cannot tell you how much I'm rooting for Luke Rayleigh. And although he did it against the Dodgers, which are, you know, the team that I love, it still put a smile on my face because to see him prove all those people wrong, reach his goals, and to go from the position he was in when I talked to him, which was a guy that was just trying to climb and scratch and claw to make any kind of impact at the major league level he could – to be in the position he's at right now, which is succeeding in OPS over 900 for the best team in all of Major League Baseball, got to make you smile for Luke Rayleigh. And, you know, hey, I like to ask these guys, what is your message for kids? You know, hey, you know, you were Division Three, You weren't the big recruit. What do you tell kids to get in your position? And he simply put, hey, this is what he said. He said, hey, I just tell them just keep going. You know, hey, don't ever quit. Just keep going, no matter how bleak it looks, no matter how how closed your road looks, no matter how dark things look. Just wake up every day and just keep going. And that you know that message has stuck with me. I use that message with a lot of you know former when I used to coach with my players, with my students. I use that message 
every day is inspiration. So I wanted to bring up the Luke Rayleigh situation and talk about him. Super proud of him. Super happy of him. That was, you know, that situation is dear to my heart, and, and I, I enjoy watching him have success. Okay, Saturday's game. We haven't talked since then. What a gritty game that was. And you could just kind of see it with Clayton Kershaw and with Dave Roberts. They understood how big that game was because, you know, hey, if you go three and seven, although four and six isn't that, you know, isn't great, okay, but it did give you a chance. You were just one, two runs away from actually breaking 500 on your toughest road trip of the year, and you've been just about a 500 road team all year, which, hey, if you go 17 and seven in the playoffs, you know, if you win that percentage of games at home and then break 500 on the road, you know, that's probably a, a formula for success in the playoffs. So, hey, if you just kind of continue down that road. So, that win right there to get to four and five on the road trip, that made it to where, hey, you know, you want to win on Sunday, but if you don't, you're still, you knew you were still going to be in first place. Okay, you guaranteed you were going to still be in first place when you came back home to play the Nats. And it wasn't going to be just a completely disastrous road trip. At that point, like I said, four and six, nobody's happy with that. The Dodgers have a, a higher standard, don't get me wrong, but three and seven would have been way worse than that. And just the way it happened, you know, I talked in the last show, one of the things I think this Dodgers team, above all else, you know, hey, yesterday you had the rookie struggle. Trace Thompson came through. James Altman struggling. You know, Mookie Betts hasn't been hitting all that great as of late. So, You've had all these deals, okay? So the one thing uh, that I think the Dodgers, this group, has been able to rely on each and every day is that it scratches and claws. It's gritty. It digs down and just it really fights every single game. And even in a loss yesterday, you saw that. I mean, you get down like you got down yesterday, and you come back. You're, you know, Tampa Bay is just ridiculous at home. They're the best home team in all of Major League Baseball. They just don't lose very often at the drop, and you come back, and I tell you what, man, I guarantee you, you put a scare on all those Tampa Bay people. You come back, you scratch and claw. You didn't win, but, boy, <laughs> you almost did. And then Saturday was the same way, just gritty, scratched, clawed, got the lead, got behind, came back, and just used that grit. And I've said it a couple times now, the one thing as far as the identity of this club, of course, you hit a lot of home runs. That's the number one identity. I get all that, but the one thing I think you can hang your hat on every day at this Dodgers club plays is that they are a gritty club. And when you're a gritty club, you know, you're going to win a lot of those games that maybe you wouldn't have in the past. If, if You know, whenever you were kind of on cruise control and everything was, was just kind of cruising for you. So I'm super excited about how gritty this baseball club is. I enjoy watching that. Even when they lose, you know, uh, one of my greatest mentors told me one time, hey, you know, he told the kids that the number one thing I enjoy watching you do in life is win. No doubt about it. It's about winning. Everybody likes winning. It's a lot funner to win. No doubt. But then he would also say, hey, the number two thing I enjoy watching you do in life is lose. But both of those are contingent on one thing. Hey, are you gritty? Do you give everything you got? Do you hustle as much as you possibly can? And are, are you just giving full effort at all times? As long as you're doing that, those are the two things I enjoy doing, watching you do the most. And that's kind of where I'm at with this Dodgers club right now, man. Hey, yesterday, yes, you know, you want to win and you want to go to 500 and the road, road swing, but just watching the team fight, watching the grit, watching them, you know, just 
continue to to battle that that in itself is enjoyable for me to watch and and like i said if you just sit back and look at the long run of things i think when you look at the grit that this team has identified themselves with and then you look at you know hey there's still one and a half game lead in first place and you look at the schedule coming up i think it's shaping up pretty well to where dodgers fans are going to be happy with the results of this here and just if you're not totally happy right now which you know uh, however you, you look on uh, that as far as the end of this road trip i think you know the future you know you're setting yourself up to have a lot of success so i'm excited about that okay the 6-5 game on Saturday, I've said it many, many different times, that's the perfect score in baseball to me because, hey, when you get up to like Sunday, it's like there's so much scoring that the, the, you almost lose strategy because like, you know, there's just – it's like you know the next team's going to score kind of like in football, the Arena Football League, if you remember that. I went to a game, Oklahoma City had a team for a while, and there was just so much scoring. It was like you just knew the other team was going to score and there was like no strategy as far as, hey, we – we get a hold here. We, we get a defensive stop here. There was none of that. There wasn't any back and forth as far as that offensive-defensive strategy went. You know, so 6-5 to five has that perfect amount of scoring, but then it has enough defense and enough pitching to be, to me, just have the perfect amount of action in it. So Saturday's game was just a fantastic game to watch, okay? And on Saturday, the Dodgers scored in four innings. They put up two crooked numbers. They had five different guys that had hits. They had four guys that had RBIs. Vargas had the game-winning home run, which was awesome because obviously being a rookie, uh, he's he's come around a little bit as of late. And then Sunday was just a gritty loss. So, you know, hey, maybe I'm a little bit too Pollyannish, but – you know, game and a half lead with all the external circumstances with the schedule coming up, having just finished the toughest road trip of the season. I'm in a pretty good place as far as my mentality towards where this team is at. Plus, hey, you know, the minor leagues, they won all their four games yesterday. The Dodgers easily have the best minor league system in baseball this year. The combined records are insane. The A Tulsa Drillers have the best ERA in terms of overall pitching staff of anybody in the minor leagues. They also have the best ERA in terms of their starters. So Tulsa starters are elite. And here's another deal. Hey, you know, Ryan Pepio came up. He struggled to throw strikes. Although, <clears throat> if you look at his 3.47 ERA, his time at the major leagues, you got to admit, he got the job done. No doubt about it. Michael Grove struggled. Okay, Gavin, Str- uh, Gavin Stone struggled. So the temptation is, well, Okay, they have all these great arms. I've been hearing about all these great arms, but I'm not seeing it when they get to the major league level and kind of souring towards the prospect aspect of it. Fight against that. Let me assure you, fight against that. Because when you look at the prospects the Dodgers have, of course, Pepio, you know, like I said, and he, although he did have command issues at the major league level, 3.47 ERA, he got the job done. Michael Grove is hitting 97 right now. The, the vertical break on his slider is insane okay so he is throwing really really matter of fact he sat 95 okay Emmett Sheehan Nick Nestrini Nick Frasso Kyle Hurd uh, all these guys that are, I'm, I'm Landon Knack okay these guys are really really good so fight the temptation if the Gavin Stone deal if the Michael Grove deal if the lack of command from Pepio has you a little bit discouraged as far as the prospect aspect of the Dodgers and bringing those guys up and wanting to know what they have. 
fight that off because I'm telling you, these guys are fantastic. And I'm also telling you, hey, making spot starts like Michael Groves had to do and Gavin Stone has had to do is very difficult because you're results-oriented. You realize that if the results aren't good, then I probably aren't going to – I'm not going to stay on a major league roster. That's tough duty. It's hard to relax. It's hard to get comfortable in that situation. And so I think that's part of it as well. But I assure you, these guys that are that are down on the farm right now and have these thunderbolt for arms that are lighting up the the Texas League with Tulsa, and then you know Ryan Pepio is obviously injured right now. Michael Grove is lighting it up with AAA Oklahoma City. At least he did in his last outing. I assure you, those guys are really really good. So fight that temptation if you're a little bit discouraged as far as thinking about the prospect level of things. Okay. It was great to see Trace Thompson dig out of his hole. Okay, so let me tell you a story about Trace Thompson. The year was 2017. My wife and I had season tickets to the AAA Oklahoma City Dodgers. Okay, and he started that year 3 for 56. Okay, he started 0 for 33 and 3 for 56. It was one of the toughest things I've ever had to witness. Okay, it was just... Because he is such a great dude, okay, and his process is so awesome, and he is such an upbeat person. He is such a winner in terms of his mentality. He thinks like a winner. It was tough to watch because he struggled so mightily at the AAA level, okay? He finally got things turned around just a little bit, and let me say, all the way through that that unbelievably difficult start for Trace Thompson, okay, his process never wavered. He was an elite teammate. He was an elite human. His work ethic was elite. He prepared every single day like a winner. Okay, very impressive to watch. The Dodgers took note of that. He finally came around a little bit. You know, there about in June, he got called up to the, the big club. He went like three for 12 to start, had a little bit of success, and then struggled again down the stretch. He got... DFA'd, and then since then, he's been DFA'd, he's been traded, he's been this and that, and he's been a free agent a couple times because he didn't want to take a minor league assignment. And because of, in the face of all that failure in the year of 2017, the Dodgers saw his work process, they saw the elite kind of human being he was, they took a chance on him again last year, okay, because they loved the guy. Then he breaks out and has success early, and they're like, hot dang, now we have this elite human being plus the guys having success as well. We know he has elite defense, so you're super excited about that. And then he has the big game to start this year. Then he goes in the big slump. Okay, that's the backstory as far as why the Dodgers have dug in and stuck with Trace Thompson as long as they, they have because they have that history with him. They know even in the face of failure – he is going to be an elite teammate. He's going to be elite in the clubhouse. He's going to have elite work ethic. He's going to put all the work in at an elite level. And then, you know, hey, the Dodgers, they they fix a lot of guys like him. And, hey, if we can get him hot, then we have the best of all worlds. And he's had two really big games. So, hey, yesterday, the big game from Trace Thompson, trust me, everybody in the Dodgers organization is rooting big time for Trace Thompson. So it was great to see him have the big day yesterday okay James Altman what do you do with him okay got off to the super 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 hot start he is a very confident young man hey and I'll say this this is his first big time major league slump 
okay? And nobody's seen James Alvin in a major league slump like this before. You know why? Because, hey, this is his first year in the major league. So even guys like me who have seen him for multiple years now that have the ultimate amount of confidence and respect for James Altman, okay, I can't guarantee you what's going to happen here in the next future. I, I can tell you with, with all the confidence in the world that, in my opinion, I think that at some point here in the near future, he's going to break out of it and go right back to the James Altman that we've seen the last couple of years and that we saw at the beginning of this year. But I can't guarantee you that because we don't have a track record as, you know, as far as him coming out of slumps at the major league level. He's never had to do it before, which is why the Dodgers front office, they love veterans because they love having that, that proof, that insurance of the past of somebody to say, hey, we know for a fact that James Altman's going to come out of this slump because he's done it 17 times before. He has that track record. That's why the Dodgers organization likes veterans because they like that assurance of knowing what a guy has done in the past. Right now, I guarantee you when they're in the war room and they have no idea what's getting ready to happen with James Altman, that's stressful for them. They like to have that. Like I said, they, they like to be able to say, hey, we're confident it's going to be okay. Here's our decision moving forward because here's the data to support it. You don't have any data. So you're really just having to go by feel. You're having to go by belief. And you're having to go by the fact that, you know, hey, you just have this faith in James Altman that he is this kind of player. And he's going to come out of it. The Dodgers front office don't like to operate like that. Trust me. They like data. They like analysis. They like analytics. And they like proof. Okay? So, I promise you, this is a stressful period, a, stref a stressful decision for them to make on James Altman as far as, hey, how long do you let the slump go? How long do you give him to work his way out of it? Okay, and there is no, you know, black and white answer to it. So I'm going to say the same thing about that situation I said about Gavin Stone. I assure you that they're addressing it every day. They're wanting to give James Altman all the time in the world to, to – to reverse course here and get back to the James Altman that we all know he's capable of being offensively, okay? But how long do you give? Okay, I think that's a question that they probably cuss and discuss each and every day in the war room. So whatever the front office decides to come up with with James Altman as far as how they they plan on, on getting him back into, you know, an offensive rhythm that is productive, I'm going to live with because, again, I know they have the best minds in all of baseball working on it and i assure you they're not taking this lightly and they will come up with the best plan for him as well so hey what do you think leave a comment what do you think the club should do with james Altman? what should they send him maybe back down give him some triple a at bats give him some confidence then maybe bring him back up here in a couple of weeks you know that kind of thing what do you think the club should do with james Altman? okay so again you're one and a half games in first place 32 22 on the season. You're four and a half over San Francisco. You are seven and a half over San Diego. And let me say this again. You have the Nats at home to finish May. Then you have the Phillies and Yankees at home. And then you have, you're at the Reds. You're at the Phillies. Home versus the White Sox. Then home versus the Giants. That's your next month in a couple of days. So like I said, lots to look forward to. And, you know, lots of opportunities to really get on a good streak and stretch that NL West lead past one and a half games. So that's our talk on the L.A. Dodgers today. Hey, there was a lot of action, great action in the minor league system. All four teams won yesterday. Can't wait to talk to uh, talk about them. So let's not waste more time. Let's get right to it, and let's take a trip 
down on the farm. The AAA Oklahoma City Dodgers, man, it took them six innings to score. As a matter of fact, it took seven innings to score. They scored two in the seventh, one in the eighth, and then they opened up a can in the top of the ninth inning, and they beat the Sacramento Rivercats. Hey, this is the challenge system right here. I wanted to show you this. Jemai Jones was actually called out on a strike three. He immediately challenged, and he won that challenge, and he got another pitch. So, hey, the way that works in AAA is that, of course, the next, right there, there's that pitch that, that he challenged. In AAA, in the weekends, okay, the home plate umpire calls the balls and strikes, and then if somebody on the field doesn't like the way that the pitch was called, then they can immediately challenge it and, and or an out or safe call. Okay, it can't come from the bench. It can't come from a manager, and it has to come immediately. Jemai Jones, you saw him tap the helmet. Watch this. Tap the helmet right here. Immediately, that means go to the challenge system. Umpire calls time. You put that actual challenge system you're seeing. You just saw just a minute ago. This right here actually goes on the video board for everybody to see. And then you see whether it actually is a ball or a strike. It took exactly 16 seconds for this pitch to get overturned. 16 seconds. That's all it took. Major League Baseball, absolutely 100% needs to go to this challenge system sooner rather than later. Go to it right now. I'd be fine with that. But, hey, realistically, go to this challenge system at least after the Major League All-Star break, I think. So, hey, you know, this challenge system works. I was, I'm very impressed with the way. I, I like it better than the robo-umps. I saw a whole year of robo-umps. The challenge system is better. Major League umpires, if you look at, you know, their success rate, they're right almost all the time. They only miss, you know, maybe five to maybe eight pitches a game. So there's not that many you actually need to challenge throughout a game. They're right most of the time. So no need for, my opinion, overall robo-umps. Just go to the challenge system. It takes, you know, 15 to 20 seconds. That's all it takes. There was a couple other challenges that timed out just exactly about the same, especially as people get used to having the challenge system. They'll get faster as far as, you know, doing the challenge, the people working the video on the challenges will get faster at it. So, hey, you might get this thing down to 10 to 15 seconds at some point. So, I like the challenge system, and it was used very successfully in the Oklahoma City game yesterday. Justin Hageman was the opener yesterday for AAA Oklahoma City. He went two innings scoreless. Hageman is having a very good year. You know, he's kind of quiet, and he's from New Jersey, went to Penn State, and he's a guy you never really hear about. And then you look up and you go, hey, Hageman's having another good year. He had a good year last year. He got moved up from AA Tulsa to AAA Oklahoma City real early in 2022. So he's been with Oklahoma City since the beginning of last year, and he's always put up good numbers. He's put uh, numbers. He's putting up good numbers again this year. His ERA is down to 266. And coming in today, his whip was just 106, and his average against was just 215. So the Nittany Lion, Justin Hageman, pitching really good for AAA Oklahoma City. Welcome back to the bus. Gus Varlin, he is back. If you remember, he got Rule 5. The Milwaukee Brewers took him in the Rule 5, which means they had to put him on the 26-man roster. He got hurt, and then instead of putting him back on the 26-man after his injuries, they just went ahead and gave him back to the Dodgers. And so he is back with the Dodgers system. Gus Varlin is the young man out of Concordia, St. Paul. His, his coach, Lunch McKenzie, you know, he, he is very, very 
uh, thankful for the, all of the work that, that he put in with him. Another guy we talked about, Luke Rayleigh, earlier that was not a Division One guy. Him and his brother, Louis Varlin, both went to Concordia St. Paul. Louis is already in the major leagues with – uh, the Minnesota Twins, which is awesome because that is right where they're from. They're from St. Paul, uh, Minnesota. So, okay, Gus Varden, he is back with the Oklahoma City Dodgers, and he threw a scoreless inning. This was the second outing since he's been back, and he averaged 95.6 on his four-seam fastball. It had great ride to it. So, hey, welcome back, Gus Varden. We'll take you every day and twice on Sundays. Johnny DeLuca had two hits yesterday for AAA Oklahoma City. He increased his batting average at 333, his OPS to 990, and he has hits in five games in a row and has eight multi-hit games this month. Young man out of Oregon, he was a switch hitter as a duck. He ditched the left side, only right-handed, got bigger. Now all of a sudden he still has all of that, you know, that hit tool as far as just making solid contact and hitting line drives like that right there. But then as he got bigger and ditched the left side, he got power too. So he developed into just a well-rounded, all-around great offensive player. Okay, and this first hit that we just saw that he shot to right field, very impressive. That one right there was inside. But if you if you watch this next hit, we're going to talk about it here in just a minute. Hey, it was two strikes. Look right there. And he was looking away, got one in on the hands, and just brought the hands inside, inside out of it to right field. That hit right there is very impressive when you put together these hit 11 home runs. So, hey, Johnny DeLuca continues to play great offense for AAA Oklahoma City. Drew Avins had an RBI base hit. He scored a run for AAA Oklahoma City, and he has hits in four games in a row and has been on base five games in a row. If you remember last year, he had the 53-game on-base streak, which was the longest in the PCL in the last three years. So this dude knows how to get on, he knows how to get over, and he knows how to get in, Drew Avins. There was a lot of great action in the Oklahoma City game. Luke Williams had two hits for AAA Oklahoma City. He had two RBIs, and he scored twice as well. Luke Williams, a young man that we saw get so hot for Oklahoma City to begin the year. Johnny Hernandez has a lot of speed on the Oklahoma City team, man. It is a fast team. But, hey, Luke Williams got off to the really hot start. He got brought up. There he is right there. Got brought up to the big club. And, you know, so he's had a good year to this point. Okay, today was his 10th multi-hit game of the year. That's Chris Gutierrez. Does a fantastic job. Third base for the AAA Oklahoma City Dodgers. Devin Mann, another Louisville product, had two hits and a couple of ribeye steaks yesterday for AAA Oklahoma City, and he's raised his average to 267. You know, he's kind of the offensive side of Justin Hageman, just the guy that's quiet, just goes about doing his business. And you look up, and his numbers are always really, really good. Okay, yesterday was his fifth multi-hit game of just this month, and he was playing left field, which, you know, he's been playing mostly third base and first base as of late, so that versatility was on display. Devin Mann quietly again having another really good year for AAA Oklahoma City. The AA Tulsa Drillers, they scored two in the second, one the fourth, one the seventh, and they won four to one in the finale in front of another huge crowd in downtown Tulsa at One Oak. It was just a wonderful week of crowds for the AA Tulsa Drillers. I got to take in one of those games. As far as hits, they had seven hits on the day. Diego Cartaya, the Dodgers' number one prospect you're seeing right here, had a couple of knocks, including a home run that you just saw. Cody Hosey had a hit. Brandon Lewis had a couple of hits. He had another home run as well. We're going to talk about it here in a minute. Josh Stowers had another hit. He's had hits in two games in a row, and Bryce Brigman had a hit as well. So, hey, this is Diego Cartaya right here. It was good to see him hit this home run and have the two big 
hitch yesterday for the drillers. He's off to a slow start. It's been a slow transition to the AA level for Diego, but wonderful young man, great work process, super talented. Okay, he will make the adjustments, so excited to watch the rest of the year for the Dodgers' number one prospect, Diego Cartaya. On the pitching side, the Dodgers, the Oklahoma, or excuse me, not the Dodgers, the drillers, the double-A drillers, they love that piggyback system where you throw two different starters. It's exactly, again, what they did yesterday, third game in a row. Nick Frasso started. He went three innings. He had four strikeouts, gave up no runs, and then we're going to talk about Emmett Sheehan here in a minute. He went six innings and had nine more strikeouts of Hey, the piggyback system has been fantastic. Frasso made his first start since May 6th. He was back on the bump. I had a chance to talk to him. He mentioned he was going to get to pitch again this week, and he was excited about it. Okay, he went three innings. He gave up no runs, no hits, no walks, and four strikeouts. Frasso has not allowed a run in his last three starts and has 14 Ks, just two walks in those three starts. His ERA is just 091, his whip is 081, and his average against is 179, and he has reached 100 miles an hour on more than one occasion this year. So Nick Frasso continues to throw very well for Double A Tulsa. Emmett Sheehan was the piggyback starter, meaning you know you have two guys that are going to go bulk innings, but you have one guy that starts and one guy that comes in after the starter. That was Emmett Sheehan. He came in in the piggyback role and he went six strong innings. He struck out nine, walked just two, and gave up just one run. I know there is some. Scuttlebutt Dennis Higgins mentioned this on the broadcast that hey, some scuttlebutt that he might be getting brought up to AAA, but that is just simply, uh, that is, there is no confirmation to that whatsoever. But like I said, he mentioned that on the broadcast, so I wanted to bring that up as well. Okay, Emmett Sheehan also got the win yesterday. He's now 3-1 and one on the year. His ERA is 164. His whip is just 080. And check this out. He has 76 strikeouts, just 18 walks, and 44 innings. So Emmett Sheehan, man, he is just absolutely dominating double A. Brandon Lewis, the sweet swinging B. Lou, hit his third home run in the last couple days and also dumped a base hit into right field that will look just like a line drive in the box score you know we always see you always say that whenever you just kind of dump one in there hey gonna look just like a line drive in the box score and i'll tell you what man this young man slow start for him as far as the numbers he has hit i can't tell you how many just rockets right at a defender so he is due a couple handfuls of these little little dumpers or, or you know whatever you want to call them texas league base hits so brandon lewis hey good to see him tap back into his power Good young prospect, and he's big. I'll tell you what, I saw him on Tuesday, and you don't realize just how big Brandon Lewis is. He is a big young man, a world of power potential. As a matter of fact, he led all the Dodgers minor league system in 2021 in home runs per at-bat. So good to see Belu getting it going. Definitely the funnest part of the day The in the baseball is awesome category. That is Emmett Sheehan. That's the pitcher right there. And Henny didn't want to take him out of the game, so he had him – Pitch, he had him hit for himself. I'm sure he did the double switch, and Sheehan ended up in the lineup, and his spot came back up. He probably figured by that time, Sheehan, there would probably be a pinch hitter and a different pitcher, but he is pitching so well. Left him in the game. Sheehan got to hit. Hey, doing his best impression, of course, the, the golden voice of the, the Tulsa Drillers, who does such a wonderful job, Dennis Higgins. He was on the call. If you go to my social media, you can hear him talk about it. Hey, Emmett Sheehan doing his best impression of Eddie Goodell. If you remember the White Sox, I believe it's the White Sox used a short person 
in the 70s to go up and crouch and make the strike zone like two inches big and he drew a walk well look at him and she in right there man the big man in the crouch i suggest that surely now his nickname on the team is the big crouch image Sheehan definitely the funnest part of the day watching him draw a walk and get an rbi emin Sheehan. the great lakes loon scored three in the first two in the fifth one the sixth and they took down the peoria chiefs Six to two to move to 30 and 15 on the season. This team has just been so good. Damon Keith, who you're seeing right here, he hit this laser beam for a home run. Austin Gothier had a couple of knocks. Alex Freeland had a hit. You saw the hit right here by Damon Keith. It was a three RBI home run. Griffin Lockwood Powell also had a hit. And Taylor Young had a double and a triple as well. So, hey, it was a great day for the Loons, Damon Keith, the, he leads the league. As a matter of fact, he's tied for the league lead in home runs with eight. And like I said, this was dead center. Keith now has hits in 13 of his last 16 games, and he has three home runs and nine RBIs in his last 16 games. So good to see the Cal Baptist grad or Cal Baptist alum, I should say, Damon Keith heating up. This video right here is pretty much T.Y. Taylor Young in a nutshell. Lots of hits, tremendous hustle, hustle. Heads up base running here. See him get a, a hustle triple right here all the way to third base. And then just an absolute big time spark for his team. No doubt about it. Watch this next one right here. Okay, watch this right here. Just a little innocent base hit about a five chopper up the middle. No big deal. Center fielder just kind of getting to the ball. Kind of getting Well, all of a sudden, here you go. Taylor Young turns it into a double. That is T.Y. in a nutshell right there, man. He is my kind of player. Very impressive. Lots of hits. Tremendous hustle. Heads up base running. Big time spark for his team. I love watching this young man out of Louisiana Tech play baseball. Austin Gothier, man, what an amazing season he has had. He had another multi-hit day yesterday. That's his 15th of the year. He has 15 multi-hit games. Gothier leads the Midwest League in average at 365. He leads the Midwest League in on-base percentage at 487 and OPS at 1055. And he's second in hits at 54, third in walks with 36, sixth in RBIs at 25, and seventh in home runs with six. I'm out of breath talking about how good Austin Gothier is. Oh, and by the way, he's ninth in doubles with 10. So, wow, what a year Austin Gothier has had for the Great Lakes Loons. On the pitching side, Maddox Bruns, he started the game, had a great outing. He went four innings, and then and then Orlando Ortiz Mayer came in. Aldri Acosta and Juan Murillo. Ortiz Mayer gave up a couple of runs and in three innings, but Acosta and Murillo both went scoreless in their one-inning work. Maddox Bruns, dominant again. One thing you notice here, he's getting his off-speed over the plate, and when he does that, when his secondaries land, it is going to be a bad day for the hitters because he is super explosive. Yesterday gave up no runs. He had six Ks and no walks. Again, when he's not walking guys and he's landing, you know, his secondaries as well as his fastball in the zone, his stuff is just absolutely big time. Okay, so his ERA on the year, Maddox Bruns, 287. His whip is 115, and his average against is 151. And he has 48 strikeouts and 36.2 innings to go to show just how explosive his stuff is. The young man. Out of Mobile, Alabama, Maddox Bruns is pitching very well for the Great Lakes Loons. So there you have it. I told you it was going to be a very, very, very busy show. Lots of thoughts on the L.A. Dodgers. Lots of action to get to. 
As far as the minor league affiliates, it was great action at the minor league level. It was gritty action, although disappointing at the L.A. level. But, hey, again, you're still in first place by game and a half, and you have a lot of winnable games coming up here in the end of May this week and then starting in June, the beginning of July. So, hey, all is good in Dodgerland right now. So, hey, I hope you enjoyed today's show. There will not be a show tomorrow. I will next time talk to you on Wednesday morning. So hopefully hopefully look forward to talking to you again on Wednesday. Check out that show as well. And hey, just a reminder, if you like this kind of video and you'd like to help Dodgers Daily continue growing by donating, we do now have a Dodgers Daily GoFundMe account. Just scroll down to the description. Click the link. It's right there. It'll take you right to the GoFundMe for Dodgers Daily. Also, if you like this video and if you like this kind of content, click that like button. Leave a comment. Tell all your friends about Dodgers Daily. Share this video. Become a subscriber. After you subscribe, click that notification bell. Turn on your notifications. The more times this this video has interaction, the more YouTube thinks that people like this video, the more it gets suggested, the more it gets seen, the more Dodgers Daily can can, 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 uh, can continue growing, which is what we want to do. And we want to continue to be able to provide videos and content like this in the future. As always, hey, thanks for tuning in and go Dodgers.